Hey there. Thanks for joining me on Comedy Masterclass, where I interview creators about the craft of writing comedy. Hey, everybody. Today, I have with me founder and CEO of Funny Women, Lynn Parker. Now, Lynn created the organization over 20 years ago now and has made such an outstanding contribution to comedy, including producing the Funny Women Awards. So I'm thrilled to be able to have her here today and pick her brain about all things comedy. But before we dive in, Lynn, is there anything else you'd love people to know about you and your connections to comedy? Oh, my goodness. Um, where do you want me to begin? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, comedy is sort of part of my... I think my family DNA, I just was brought up with a very funny dad who probably wanted to be a comedian, but um, I think he just exercised his uh, talents at Pontins and Butlins when we were growing up and got the whole family to join in um, with stupid fancy dress and, I don't know, talent competitions. I think that, that sort of partly explains why I'm a little bit risk averse I think to performing as well I think mm. that, that I still still have can still feel that tingle of embarrassment <laughs> from my <laughs> father's antics mm. uh, but my uh, also my my dad's dad my my paternal grandfather Sam uh, worked at the BBC as um, a lighting technician which meant he sat up in the rafters at White City and pointed lights at famous people on things like Ready, Steady, Go, um, Doctor Who he worked on. uh, This is showing my age. Dixon of Doc Green. I mean, he worked on a lot of BBC classics Mm. from the early 60s. And I think because of that, I always had that kind of weird sort of almost a connection with the world of entertainment but not quite because nobody was a professional they mm. were all they were all either technicians or engineers um but the one i mean the other thing that's really interesting my father being uh, as he was he was absolutely passionate about radio comedy he loved it he loved the goons and round the horn and um uh the navy lark they were all things that we were we would listen to and i think he instilled that love of sound comedy into me and uh it's a weird thing but even because my grandpa worked at the bbc i actually went to recordings of those of round the horn and the navy lark oh. uh, i have actually tracked it back i mean i thought maybe i'm it's one of those things i'm dreaming but no it did actually happen um and how come an eight nine-year-old child was allowed into those recordings it's quite weird I mean that wouldn't happen now but I do think I have definitely picked some of that up from being surrounded by it as a kid it's it's sort of sticks with you Mm. um so that was probably my early influences um very little to do with funny women that's another whole another whole story and I'd love to know that story because um, there'll be some listeners uh, from the UK who may know funny women and from other parts. And there may be some listeners who are new to hearing about funny women. Mm. So, for, and I'm sure you must get this a lot, but for people oh, yeah. um, that aren't yeah. so aware of the organization, how do you kind of explain it to them in terms of why well, it still matters so much? Uh, well, the answer as to why it still matters so much is I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I honestly thought five years in, with that would have been it, you know. But yeah. I, I do remember having a conversation with quite a famous comedian at the time, 
um, and one of our winners actually uh, about what was happening with funny women and whether I'd continue with it and why did I need to continue? I was even told at one point there were quite enough funny women. I didn't need to carry on mm. by, a, by a female comedian. That's interesting. Um, but I don't, I, I just think that there's still a real need for, and I think, I think it applies to other industries as well as comedy. You mm. know, we're still not quite equal. Mm. We, you know, we think we are, or people say we are, but we're not. And that's really how it all came about because I, I um, had a whole career. I trained as a journalist and then I went in, I kind of sold out and went into PR, mainly because I could earn more money. And I was good at it. You know, one of those things, I, I, I'm not even that proud of being good at it, but I think it gave me a better and more reliable income than journalism. Uh, and... I ended up working with a comedy promoter. That's how it came about. It was a very bizarre way I ended up working with him. I think I got recommended by another client who was a hairdresser. Mm. Don't don't ask. It was kind of a weird thing. And I found myself sort of night after night at this comedy club, which was in, um, it was called the Embassy Rooms on Tottenham Court Road. Um, it is now Spearmint Rhino. Mm. So. When you ask why we need funny women, mm. we need to get rid of Spearmint Rhino, really. But there you go. Um, we were there. Uh, the room was quite well known uh, in terms of television. It was the where they filmed the Jack D show and a couple of other things. So it was kind of a very loush, sort of typical red velvet kind of space. And uh, this American comedy promoter wanted to use it as his base for his it was called the Improv Comedy Club. Um, nothing to do with improv, but that's what it was called. And uh, it was quite a famous brand. It was based in Miami. Um, I was recommended to them and I became their publicist. But the short story is that night after night, hardly ever any female acts were, were booked. Mm. It was predominantly male. And I just, like anyone would, I'm a bit mouthy, you know, Why? Why is it always women? Where are the women? You know, why aren't you booking more women? Um, and was told outright that there were no funny women and that women weren't funny. And uh, as I always say, the rest is history. Mm. That was that was my catalyst for going off and, and launching what was to become what it is now, which is a, a non-profit um, community interest company with the aims of uh, getting, helping women to perform right and create comedy mm. um, with a sideline for exactly the same in thing in the sort of corporate um, uh, business world. But predominantly everything circulates around the idea of comedy and humour. Um, and why shouldn't women be funny? You mm. know, why shouldn't we? I think we are hilarious, actually. I think women, are, I think women have a much more innate sense of humour. They just use it differently mm. to men. So that's kind of the short story as to where I, that was in, that was kind of in about 1998, 99. And then I didn't get round to running the first event for Funny Women until 2002 because there was a big um, incident in 2001, September, mm. which put the whole world on hold. Um, poor old Funny Women, it's seen some times. Mm. Um, so 9-11 kind of 
had a huge impact on a lot of things. I, don't, I think we've forgotten about that, actually, but it did stop a lot of things happening. And I'm just grateful that I hadn't really got very far with my planning. And then we ran a really big charity night to launch it in, uh, it would have been October 2002. And from that, I was introduced to, one of my sponsors for that event was Baby Sham. Mm. Um, Champagne Perry <laughs> and uh, we um, they wanted to do something with us they said we love this we think what you're doing is amazing um, I know we knew we, they knew I wanted to launch a competition and I said well would you become would you sponsor our awards and they said yeah baby shammer warms great and I went no 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 uh, PR head on mm. um, and also thinking laterally what happens if they don't stay around a sponsor and kind of most of us in the world of comedy know what happened with Perrier. Mm. I mean, they haven't been the Perrier Awards for maybe 15 years, but it's still always referred to as the Perrier Awards. And I I just didn't feel I wanted to go that route. So I I branded it Funny Women. I'd already set up a business, you know, set up a company. And I think, you know, did one of those very smart things that you think back on, how did I do that? I registered the URL. Mm. Someone told me to. I didn't even know what a URL was, but you know, but that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, I love it, and I love that you bring your PR and comm skills to it. Yeah, because otherwise, yeah. it's a thing you can make brilliant work. We know there's brilliant talent yeah. that needs all that support, but also does need the promotion. And it's it's all about that. Yeah. It's it's actually all about the grassroots yeah. and getting people to realise that if you don't ha encourage people at the entry level mm. and we don't have new talent coming through the pipeline, there isn't going to be, you know, another Sarah Millican, Catherine Ryan, Zoe Lyons, whoever you want to think of. Th th I mean, there will be, but I think what we've done is we've, we've sped things up mm -hmm. and there are more of them, you know, um, and not, you know, not every well-known comedian female comedian on the on the scene at the moment has come through funny women and you know i always feel that i wanted to mitigate that as well i didn't want funny women just to be about our awards because i think that then quest people question your integrity mm. they think why are you doing it well actually i've never i i mean everyone calls me a businesswoman but i i i'm not really driven sadly for everyone around me i mean i money's important but that for me, the driving force of Funny Women is is that whole thing of supporting new talent, and specifically women and non-binary people mm. who you know people who live their lives as women. I think we are still um, penalised for that, and and the comedy world for some reason at live level mm. just seems to epitomise that. It, it's a very strange thing. I don't, I think it's only in on the live circuit because now when you look at television and comedy writing and script, actually it's much more equal. There's a lot of, a lot of women now doing really well. And I think when women do well, they do really well. Mm. And they're often, well, controversially, I was going to say, often better than the men. Oh. But I think sometimes they are. They just don't always get the opportunities. And, you know, history 
will you know will actually back that up you know we had people like gracie fields and joyce grenfell and marty kane and oh um oh I, phyllis diller love a few americans you know uh phyllis diller and joan rivers and mary tyler moore all these women have been really super successful so in a market which has always been sort of dominated by men you've got all these amazing brilliantly talented women shining through so when someone turns around to you and says women aren't funny mm. and i mean it's it's am i allowed to say a big a b word yes. um it is utter male bollocks yeah <laughs> you know it really is so you know i think you know i think that's why in answer to your earlier question why we're still going mm. there's still a need to keep promoting that which is sad because it would be nice to stop but yeah. you know and i think i'm still going Brilliant that you um, do have business acumen too in the very best sense to then turn it as a helpful lens because it, it is that really tricky thing where it's um, comedy, whatever your kind of outlet is, is incredibly creative and is also a business. Mm. So mm. amazing that you're someone that's been able to kind of bridge and find because without a sponsor, it's hard for things to, to happen. And oh, I'm it's, I mean, really, at the moment, we're facing some of our biggest struggles that we've ever had, mm. um, which I'll come to. But, um, yeah, we the biggest issue I have is that a lot of people think, even now, and I probably say it once, every, once a week, this is not my hobby. Mm. This is my business. And my biggest issue is that, uh, pardon the terrible oxymoron here, but people don't take it seriously. Mm. They they think I'm on some kind of weird. You know, they want they they. People often say to me, "Oh, that that pub would be great for a comedy night." Well, I'm you know no disrespect to those people. They mean well, mm. but I'm big picture. Mm -hmm. I'm not you know, and I have run I have run a lot of small comedy nights over the years, but right now what we need is the big big broad brushstroke the talent pipeline the awards the mm -hmm. getting these women seen by commissioners um is getting their scripts seen getting their shorts their short films seen get you know and we've also now got the advent of um content creators who have changed the whole the whole dimension yet again and actually that's a really interesting one because i think women are good at that as well um they are almost like the pioneers in that space you know with instagram and i would say instagram primarily because you can put a lot of stuff on instagram you can sell your wares so you can make a funny film or you can sell fashion items or beauty products so it's a kind of in a shop window environment that you can run from your own from your own home mm. and i think women are quite good at setting the whole thing up and now we've had about four or five years of content creator, our content creator award. I've been so incredibly inspired by these women and how much time they take. And, and they earn a lot of money, mm. some of these women as well. Um, I mean, I, I, I often think maybe I should be doing that, but it's not, again, it's not what I particularly want to do. I don't want to spend every waking hour of my day filming myself and thinking about what, you know, and I, that's why I admire these women for doing it. Cause I think it's a true mission and they can earn a lot of money because they have a lot of 
eyes on them. Mm. So, you know, um, and that's not what Funny Women is all about. At the end of the day, Funny Women is is a catalyst point. Mm. But I do think the fact that we now do have, we have recognised that area is really important because it shows that we've moved moved our slant with the times as well. Um, and interestingly, all the content creators that have, I think we've had Sophie... Shan, uh, I think we've had four or five winners. They've all got book deals, right. all of them. They've all got book deals. They've all got, um, they're all earning money from sponsorship. I think the last time I got a sponsorship job, because I do, I do book, I do act as like an agent, mm. but I don't represent acts, but I will often act if a brand comes to me and says, we want someone to promote our lipstick. Mm. I'll go off and find someone for them. Um, and full disclosure, and we're talking about pre-COVID, one of them was paid like 25 grand. Mm. I mean, that would run Funny Women Awards or half, certainly contribute to the Funny Women Awards. Like, no, you know, I don't, even I don't get that kind of money. Mm. Uh, so there's big stakes, yeah, big stakes, you know, but there's a lot, but, but they deserve it as well because they put a lot of work into it. It's mm. a, a a whole area that um, I think we don't think of. And and if we're talking about writing and comedy writing, there's quite a lot that goes into producing those things because you've got to write your script mm. and you've got to find something funny. They don't just happen upon it. They mm. don't just go around and go filming their everyday life. They are planning it out. So I find that area very interesting, not an area I particularly want to get into on a on a personal level, but I do acknowledge it. Yeah, and I love that it en encompasses that. And yeah. as I said, and amazing that you have this perspective back to 9-11 and also um, like have been through COVID with Funny yeah. Women. And what I read about online was that there were a lot of changes that um, obviously needed to be made for really practical reasons and everything that I've read yeah. online, it sounds like you are still able to make a really great community space for people during that time. So I'm just curious what you feel. I that, think, it, yeah. Yeah, it did turn things around for uh, a lot of us in that space. Um, I mean, I've got quite a lot to say about this type of thing because mm. I think online is not a replacement for live. No. And I really feel very strongly about that. Um, and I think a lot of people still use it and they may think that we still use it as an excuse for not doing as much live stuff. Um, the practicalities of that are that we don't do as much live stuff because we simply don't have the resources. Mm -hmm. So I can't function without decent producers who want to work with us and quite often they're working as volunteers mm. so that that's a big commitment and the other issue is is venues and uh the venues um i mean we've we have got some fantastic venues the venues in amsterdam and paris and ireland are all fantastic our biggest issue has been london mm. where we have two factors number one I get it because London's an expensive place and the rents are high, but you know you can you can afford to give a night a week to a female comedy community um, without asking them how much money they're going to spend over the bar, mm. or you know I mean it, it it's it's become very competitive, and the other even bigger problem is accessibility, mm. and a lot of the London venues are really difficult for people with any modicum of disability you know 
can't get up and down stairs, narrow. Quite a lot of the rooms are up narrow stairways in pubs. The toilets are always miles away, mm. always. Women's toilets are always a mile away from anywhere. I've never understood that. So you've got all these other issues, which I feel very strongly about, is that it isn't just about putting on the show. It's got to be comfortable for everybody. Otherwise, you're, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not a nice experience. You want everyone to have a lovely experience if they're performing for the first time. Um I, I've just, I, I keep being reminded actually, because Rosie Jones has been all over the media this week. And um, I saw Rosie do her first ever gig mm-hmm. uh, at the Betsy Trotwood. And, you know, the immortal lines, I'm, I'm, I'm not drunk. Mm-hmm. Or I can't remember how she says it now. But, but you know, the, the sheer efforts of getting up those narrow stairs yeah. in the upstairs of the Betsy Trotwood. Um, good for her because she did it and she carried, and we all know where she ended up. Um, and she was a finalist in 2016. Um, in my view, should have won, but I don't choose the winners. A lot of people think I do, but mm. there's a very good example of my chosen person not winning. Um, and she should have won, but she has won mm. as far as I'm concerned because she's a superstar now. But, you know, that if you look at that whole area of disability and how badly served it is, because a lot of people, a lot of people who have to face life's challenges are often really funny as well. They've yeah. always got a funny story to tell. It sort of goes with the territory, doesn't it, really? So, you know, I, I always think that's a really great, I always think back to that moment of seeing Rosie struggle up those stairs and then do a gig. Yeah. <laughs> it just It makes me laugh just thinking about it. And it's it makes me so proud as well that you know that she started with us. So I suppose there's a good side to everything. Yeah, no, and thank you for sharing that because I think um, like I've also had a lot of experience um, of events in my day job, and um, I know what it takes behind the scenes to make it work. And sometimes yeah. it just people don't realise how much time it takes, how much it costs, yeah. things like accessibility. So it, it's real. And you want to, for for the sake of all the people performing, have something that's professional, welcoming, looks great. But you, you do, but the people do think of comedy as like the cheap option. Yeah. Oh, we'll just put on a comedy night. Yeah. And they may have no backline, mm. no decent, you know, PA system. Mm. They expect you to come with your own mic stands um, I mean, we always have pop-ups like the one behind me, and we've always been quite professional about it. Proper backing tracks, um, cleared music, but that's because that's my background. My other half is a um, musician mm. and producer. We we we're in that game. But on the whole, a lot of people think of of comedy as a cheap way to fill their pub and sell booze. Mm. You know, the whole of Edinburgh Fringe. I will be probably. Mm cast off for saying this but the whole reason that survives is because people make the venues make a lot of money out of food and drink Mm. you know don't kid yourself it's just about the comedy yes the comedy is the is the um catalyst for it and it does bring people together but the the people making the real bucks out of all of those big festivals Mm. are the ones selling the food and the booze and you know and and yet they don't invest in it either i mean it just makes me so so mad, mm. so mad. And Apart it, from baby chat. Yeah, and it is a particular kind of environment as well. 
often with um you know attracts you know particular kinds of crowds and if you're trying to kind of open things up and make more people welcome and yeah I appreciate what you're doing and I wanted to ask you because you have been such a tireless supporter of women and have supported and mentored women in so many different capacities I was wondering if you've had the opportunity of being mentored or if it was just that you say being immersed as as an eight-year-old and just having to (laughs) figure it all out that was a really interesting question which I did look at because you kindly sent me um a note I I think we all need cheerleaders don't we we always need somebody to bang your drum support you um I I've always thought I've had mentors Mm. and then I've been disappointed I, I I have one particular person in mind who I really looked up to who I thought of as a mentor um and this is in my PR career not in my um later career in comedy but without I I don't think it's a story I particularly want to go into but you know when I got good at my job she didn't like it Mm. and and I think what that shows is that uh, probably demonstrates more importantly is that women are actually quite ruthless and competitive mm. when it comes to it. We don't think we are. We always think we're nicey-nicey and we're great with each other. But that particular incident has really changed my attitude to um, that notion of mentoring. And my mentor turned around and, you know, proverb, you know, knife me in the back because mm. I got good at my job and made her not look so good. And she didn't like that. So she had a, uh, found a way to get rid of me, basically. Um, so I think from that experience, where I went is more into, and I've always done this, I've realized even as a small child, and I had a very, I had, I had the best friend incident, you know, I had oh. a friend who was my best friend and then the next day someone else was her best friend and then she'd sort of set us off against each other and I think with this other incident it reminded me of that and I thought right okay Uh, and actually from that whole incident when I was a kid I always had lots of friends I've always been very mercurial and never been part of a particular gang Mm. I like to move around which does also mean that sometimes you're quite lonely and you're on your own People say, when I say to people I get lonely sometimes, they think I'm mad, but it is quite lonely Mm. running your own thing. Yeah. And I would love nothing better than to have another person running Funny Women with me, but I've tried and each time it hasn't worked out. Mm. And for whatever reason, you know, um, probably as much to do with me. I am, you know, quite exacting and I have my own way of doing things. So I think that makes it difficult. So how I've kind of got around that is now with a board, with Funny Women, I have a, a non-executive board, mm. which is a group of men and women who are all fantastic and they're there and there's about nine of us, I think now, and they all have different expertises. They're not all in comedy. So I can, I, I can, call on them for different things some of them are in comedy but that's a perfect setup for me it's like I have a family of people that I can call upon and also when I'm in terms of my own personal uh journey I um have always been 
involved with lots of different networks because mm. I think that's the best way to do it. So I'll, I'm a member of things like women in public relations, women in, actually I was president of women in public relations just before I set funny women up. So, mm. and I still go to their events and they're absolutely wonderful. And I think that, that although I'm not in PR anymore, this I'm still part of the family. It's great. And then I'm in an organization called women in film and TV and women in journalism because I'm, still a journalist really because I still write um and then I belong to some business groups and I've recently got involved with something called the trouble club which is fantastic I was at an event last night with them and that's it's just I mean it's just a sort of social group they have lots of book uh, authors coming and talk about their books um in fact last night they had an event and one of the guests was one of our past funny women award runners up Mm. Uh, she performed and we're putting on a show with them next year uh, to showcase some of our new talent. So actually I find those groups, if you pick on the right ones and you, I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk about tribes and things like Mm. that, which I tend to steer clear of. However, tribes, communities, whatever you want to call them, they're really valuable if you find the right ones. And sometimes you have to have tried a few out before you find the ones that you really suit. And, of course, they change as well. So a couple of the groups I was a member of for years, um, somebody at the top has left and it's changed the nature of the community mm. in some way and it hasn't felt quite so right for me. So I've moved on. But I sound very glib about this. Actually, I find it quite difficult and quite painful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I'm so loyal. You know, I think people possibly don't understand that about me but I am really loyal so if I have to leave something Mm. I get very upset about it but that's been my that's been my consistent way of moving and moving around Mm. life you know when we when I had my kids I joined the NCT um (laughs) I go to you know I go to Pilates as a little group of us you know we have I think women are actually really good at this I think women's groups really personify how women get on in life because we're, we we kind of need each other, mm. you know? And I've, I actually don't enjoy going to groups that are, I've, well, that's not fair. I do go to one group locally here in Kent where I live, which is men and women, but they're all in marketing and I kind of feel like I fit in there mm. because we have marketing in common. So it's finding your niche, isn't it? It's finding the things that interest you. Um, I suppose that's why people have hobbies, because they've all got an interest in knitting or winemaking or it's it's human nature yeah. isn't it you, you you group together but i think it's through those groups and those communities that i've kind of been able to promote funny women mm. and sustain it so you know when i've got new things coming up i have a mailing list of about i don't know 70 or 80 network contacts and I just send out a personal email saying, please promote, please promote our next comedy crash course or our mm. next stand up, stand out, you know, and I might get half a dozen replies and they put it. And today I've had two newsletters where they put our graphics in mm. and, and, you know, but I offer them a discount. So, you know, we're, we all win. Mm. Everyone wins. And that's the other thing. Don't just take, mm. give back. Mm. People forget that. Networking isn't just a one way thing. You've got to, you've got to networking is about giving you know giving something back learned it's sort of a it's a trade-off isn't it it's sort of bartering of sorts yeah um and i 
I don't like the formal stuff where, you know, you go in somewhere and go, hi, my name is John Smith mm. and what do you do? And they're all a bit formal. Mm. I actually prefer the chatty social stuff, which I think women do well. Mm -hmm. I think women do that much better than men. Sorry, men. We love you, but you're not as good at that as I am, yeah. as, as we are, yes. as women are. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, and I have had that discussion with my husband, mm. who largely agrees with me. Yeah, <laughs> good. You've gotten well trained. Just like networking very much. Oh. I don't think a lot of men enjoy networking as much as women, actually. Yeah, but but that's great, and great that you've been able to create those relationships. And I appreciate you speaking really transparently about all that that means, because we are mm. human. So it's useful to know again that um, just because you know we may have some similarities doesn't mean, as you say, that there aren't those other human aspects where actually yeah. someone you know is, wants to cap the level of achievement, or and other women won't mm. they would be fully supportive. But I, I appreciate you talking about the full spectrum and also that that strength of decision making to say actually this has changed. I need to move on even yeah. though it's painful for me so you can feel it as a human yeah. but as a leader and someone who's running an organization yeah. you also know what you need to do you have limited time yeah. resources energy and, and mentorships are like relationships so if you find you know if you do believe in somebody and you feel they're really important to you and then the tables turn mm. that is very painful you know it makes it kind of completely blows your framework out the window. Um, having said that, I think mentorship can work extremely well. Um, and I suppose I've just formalized my mentorship mm. type relationships now because I go, like you, I coach and train people. And if they want someone, if they want someone like me to help them kind of repackage their comedy, have some proper constructive feedback, help them write things in a different way then that's part of how I earn my living. And I actually, I, I, I think that is mentorship, but mm. they're paying me to do it. Yeah. Um, well, they're paying funny women. I'm, I'm, you know, it goes into the business, but I um, really enjoy doing that. But I think that I'm protected because that is a proper formal working mm. relationship. Mm. It's not the informal one based on my past experiences of where it's gone wrong. Um, so I think I've learned quite late in life again to to stick up, you know, say to people, I'm worth it if mm. you want to work with me. Yes, I'd love to, but I charge so much yeah. and, you know, this is, this is how I do it. So that's another thing that I try and do a bit more of now, which I actually really love doing. Yeah. I really like working with people um, on a one-to-one -one basis. Um, and again, so, you know, now we, the pandemic helped us, access more of that because you can do it online yeah which is great totally and i was really mm. curious about the um fact that you do as they you do so much um with the awards and different events throughout the year and also you um understand like you must have learned so much from taking comedy into businesses with the mm. other other sides so i'm curious about that because um i really like I both value people that really care about their craft and want to develop it to the highest level possible. And I really can't stand elitism in the sense of creativity is only no. for very special people. Like I want everyone to have access to whatever that is comedy writing to the level that they want to. Mm. So I love that you go into workplaces too and um, work with people. So I'm, I'm just curious um, from all those experiences of running workshops and um, different schemes there, if there are well, any, I think, sorry, I was going to say, if there's any like particular events, um, activities or prompts or things that you think help oh. people who may, because comedy can be super scary. 
So just any kind of, well, how, how do you? Is it? I, I, you know, you it's not, not the so? comedy. No, no, it's not the comedy that's scary. Tell me. It's you being scared of yourself, number one. Oh, love it. Yeah, And we're, we're all very fearful. We're all frightened of making a fool of ourselves. Yes. We've got to, we've got to stop this. We've got to start legitimizing uh, the having a sense of humor, mm. you know, because laughter, have we not learned after two years of a pandemic how important laughter is? Mm. You know, if we don't have, you know, comedy and tragedy sit side by side, there's some of the best comedy writing comes out of tragic circumstances. You know, I can think of loads of, of fantastic, you know, comedy that is black humour mm. and that has come out of a working life situation. Uh, Joe Brand, who is our matron mm. as well for Funny Women, uh, wrote uh, and played in her own sitcom called Getting On. Mm. And she's talked to me about it. And obviously she talks to other people much more famous than me, talk about how she came about that because that was what she did. She was a, a, a mental health nurse and she loves that dark side of life that sort of tragedy comedy and i saw her on a tv program a couple of days ago talking about it uh and saying that 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 she really revels in the horror of life and how funny it is mm. and she talks about steptoe and ton uh, steptoe and son and how that used to really make her laugh and joe and i are the same sort of age yeah. so her references are, are very close to mine and um you know, I can remember watching Steptoe and Son and being horrified and amused in equal measure, mm. you know, and that's what we've, we've got to remember. Um, so going back to the workplace, I mean, you know, oh, my God, uh, you know, getting grown people to play with each other in the workplace mm. is is living my best life. Is it? <laughs> I love it. Oh. I really like to see people, those barriers yeah. fall away. When they, and when you can, and, you know, what, we don't what we need more than ever and that the workplace has changed forever okay yeah. Let, let's put that on the table mm. you know if you don't have to go into work five days a week and you can do some of your work from home because you cut down your traveling you can see more of your family um you know why why wouldn't you do that however there is also huge value in being with other people and having that social side of life. Now, what work, what business owners, large business owners with big, largely empty office blocks don't understand, if they don't make it fun for people, mm. people won't want to go back. You've got to make it fun. And, you know, we started doing these events with some of our bigger corporate clients. I mean, we do a lot of corporate work really just to bring money into the business. Mm. Um, it all gets fed back into our outreach and the awards and stuff. But, you know, we started to do these kind of hybrid events where we do a bit of, bit of workshopping, a bit of networking um, and, and some live comedy. And there was a little bit of hesitancy the first few times we did it but now it's such a winning formula and it's such a great thing to do that you know we 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 position it as a business event but actually at the end of the day it's, it is a sort of disguise business event disguise a, a comedy event disguised as a business event because we're showing people techniques mm. and we're we break them up into smaller groups and they workshop together it's a kind of mix of everything that we already do in the business environment but we 
package it all together so that we can show our corporate clients how they could do it in their in their workplace. Mm-hmm. And we've we've done full scale um, events with clients like Canada Life and NatWest. Um, and we just worked recently with Weights Group, SES they're called now, mm-hmm. which is a construction group, mainly where they have women's groups, women's networks. But more and more, I think we need to not make them women exclusive. I think that we need to still run them mm-hmm. as funny women. Or, in fact, we have our sort of sister brand, Hilarious, yeah. which we use for that, but it it's still funny women. But the, it, you know, people say to me, well, why would funny women run that? I said, because usually it's a man thing mm. and men run these things. So just go with it and have funny women run it and women pulling the, and then have a few men in the room. Why not? They might learn something. Mm. <laughs> and actually the men that normally get involved do learn an awful lot. I think that they, they, it changes their perspective on how they can work with women hugely, particularly if they're outnumbered, you know, mm. but I mean, I, for those of us who've been a bit longer in the tooth and who spent their entire careers being surrounded in rooms full of men, you know, um, it's quite nice for the men to experience the boot on the other foot. Um, and some men love it, you know, they enjoy it. Um, and I think they learn a lot. I, I just think the whole workplace is so genderized still. It's, mm. it's difficult. I suppose I'm, and I also making it worse, I suppose, by saying we've got to run an event as funny women, but we actually call those events fun at work. So they are not gendered but but we run them um but i do i've I've honestly had some really wonderful times doing those events because people when they're given permission Mm. to laugh about come up with the most amazing stuff i mean they really do um and without going into specific examples you know just knowing that how they then into if they if we run something at the beginning of a two-day conference for example quite often get employed to do like a warm-up mm. session which i also love that's kind of a great thing to do um and you get people doing some kind of crazy stuff those people will be remembered mm. throughout the whole two days of the conference by what they did on the first day you can't beat that so, you know, that come, comes to my other big mantra, which is that comedy does make you memorable. Mm. Um, you know, we always remember great public speakers because they're funny. Pe- the first thing people say, oh, they were a really good speaker. They were really funny, mm. you know. And funny is, you know, isn't difficult if you let yourself go. And that's the whole point of really the workplace stuff is I think women are much more risk averse when it comes to using humour that we need permission a bit more because we've had to fight for our place in in workplace hierarchies so we don't want to trivialize what we've done but mm. i think we've got i think we're beyond that now i think we don't have to worry anymore you know i think we can be funny and 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 whatever uh, i know it's a bit of a a difficult one because i know that in my past career even pre comedy i would i was all, i've always been known for being outspoken probably got called aggressive more than times than I care to remember Mm. but actually I don't think I am I think I quite often say what other people are thinking Mm. which is what comedians do yeah you you just say the obvious you just say the thing you you say what comes out your mouth yeah and I probably like a lot of people in comedy don't have that filter so I just say it and now I know a lot you know again there's much more knowledge about neuro neurodiversity these days so now I understand it but I didn't you know, mm. 20, 30 years ago, I, they, I just think people used to think I was mad. <laughs> I 
because I'd say what I think. Yeah. And I'm not a comedian. So, you know, there's a lot of people like me who are in, you have that same sort of um, mental way of working things out. And quite often for a lot of us, you say it um, without thinking, which is what comedians do. Mm -hmm. So I kind of found my natural home, I think, coming into comedy. I love that. And I love the encouragement. I think lots more people would benefit from doing that. And particularly if you have been someone who's been socialized as a woman and there is lots of pressure in the classroom to be nice, to be good, to make the peace, not to disrupt things, to, you know, be, be a good girl, like all that sort of stuff. Like, it's a a shame. It's so important to be nice and to be kind, but stick up for yourself as well, which is something I I still don't do. You know, I think a lot of us, whereas I noticed a lot of the young women coming through, now are and my own daughter um who's 31 now but they're a different generation there's none of this they just have a completely different frame of reference to to the one i was brought up with Mm. and that's fantastic so at least the world is changing Mm. and women are able to speak up for themselves um and you know we are unveiling unfortunately more of the horrors that have happened in the past but good because then they won't be repeated yeah you know yeah. and comedy is a really good vehicle for um putting over these messages you know for for um communicating dark stuff mm. and bad stuff um there's a, a wonderful there's a few really good um tv series that have come out in the recent recent years um uh, and obviously Rosie Jones is doing a lot of TV stuff about disability. So that, that is an absolute mm. must watch. But if you think about, um, Merman, Sharon Horgan's, mm. uh, TV production company, things like catastrophe and motherland are just hit so many beats. I mean, so clever. And then there's uh, Sophie Willen's Alma's not normal, which mm. award winning, you know, comedy series, um, which also stars Jade Adams, mm-hmm. who was our Funny Women Award winner, Stage Award in 2015, I think yeah. it was. And then another one to look out for, which is out now, is um, written by a young writer called Kat Sadler, um, called Such Brave Girls. And mm, I, I had a weird conversation with someone the other day about that. They said, oh, I don't know why people say this sort of thing to me. You might not like it. Well, number one, I don't know where they get this idea. I said, why wouldn't I like it? Oh, because some of it's a bit near the knuckle. Now, yeah, okay, I know I'm in my 60s, but I am not a prude. Mm. And there's, again, this is this is my other rant, which is about age, is that because we are older, we might not like things. Now, there are some women of my age group who may well not like it, but not me, mm. <laughs> number one. And actually, going back to that, uh, I know Kat Sadler, and in fact, she worked with us very briefly. And she's a very smart, very savvy, very clever young woman. And what she is doing is depicting what life is like for her in her age group. She's neurodiverse, she's queer, she's got all sorts of stuff going on. And this program is auto, this series is autobiographical. And I think that's creditable and fantastic. And thank God for BBC Three for putting money behind that kind of thing. Really good. Um, 
but I don't like the judgment of other people that I might not like it. Mm. I mean, where does that come from? Mm. But I think that's an age thing. I think that's people thinking, oh, Lynn's in her 60s. She probably won't like that. Well, you might be shocked about what I like. I like a lot of weird stuff, you know. <laughs> oh, I love it. And thank you for those recommendations. I haven't seen yeah. that um, last month, so I must check it out. I agree with you about yeah. uh, catastrophe that. Yeah, so that's I mean, great. Um, it, I haven't watched it all through, but mm. uh, it's had brave reviews. Um, and also, you know, there is, again, if we think about this, I'm citing a very small handful of brilliant female writers, mm. producers, and uh, there's a a lot of really good new stuff that women are involved with. Mm. Um, and that comes through the writing route as well, because a lot of them are scripted comedy. And Kat certainly was recognised as a writer mm. more than she was former. She does do stand-up as well. But she is a clever writer. Mm. And that that is why it's really important that this is happening. So, you know... Just don't tell me what I like and what I don't like. That's what yeah. annoys me. <laughs> I love it. Weird. Good decision maker, good leader. Yeah. You can make your own judgment. I think uh, yeah, 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 perfectly exactly. capable of deciding, turning it off, turning it on. You've got it. I do think, though, that I think, again, generationally, I think a lot of people have made our opinions up for us right. in, in my generation. Yeah, no, but I think, again, I'm an outspoken, mouthy old cow, and I don't want to be told, you know, what, what, um, I like and what I don't like. Perfect. <laughs> Amazing. I think that's a perfect note to end on. And thank you so much for your time today, Lynn. If people want to find out more about you and the amazing work that you do with funny women and lots of the brilliant people who've come through funny women, where should they go? Mm. Oh, definitely go to the main website, which is funnywomen.com. Mm. And if you want to see who has won our awards over the last 20 odd years, uh, there's um, a Hall of Fame. Mm. If you click on the awards button at the top and there's a drop down, it says Hall of Fame. You can see all the names of the winners of the different awards, which is a good point of reference. And then if you are interested in working either with me personally or uh, with your workplace, in your workplace, uh, if you go to herlarious.co.uk, which is our kind of, sister website as I call it um and that's got a little bit more background on some of our work and testimonials that different people we've worked with um over the years um yeah and obviously all the usual socials mm. and I'm it's either funny women Lynn for me with an e Lynn with an e um or at funny women apart from Instagram which is at funny underscore women no problem don't ask yeah that's how it goes isn't it yeah but that's perfect and I'll put all those in the show notes so thank you so much for your time today Lynn I really appreciate it thanks Danielle